Thank you very much, Karen. Be faithful where you are. The world that God has given to you, just be faithful. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the satisfaction that comes in Christ. Thank you for the grace that you have extended. Thank you that creation reflects your glory and that you choose to use us in life, whether it be Samson and his parents, or whether it be us in our daily life, as Karen just sang. Dream small, be faithful where we are for your glory. And as we look at a portion of your word this morning, we want to be attentive hearers and doers so that we're blessed in our daily lives as we live for your glory through the life we have in Christ and your spirit working within us. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Here I have a keyboard and a monitor. Would any of you kids like to come and play your favorite game on the computer with the keyboard and monitor? Can you? Can you play with what's here? Micah? Can you play with just the keyboard and the monitor? No? What are you, what's missing? The game, the game itself? What else? Power. Power. What else? Bill? The computer itself. What's the point of trying? You know, you can press keys on, do all you want but you don't have the computer. And keep that in mind as we read together in 1 Peter, chapter 1, beginning with verse 13 through chapter 2 and verse 3. And as we read through this portion of Scripture, keep in mind that Peter is writing to people that have similar backgrounds to us. He was probably writing to some people that would have followed religious rules but didn't have a relationship with God probably writing to some people that had been in the gay lifestyle and had come to Christ, writing to some people that had been thieves, some that were very self-righteous, some that were controllers, they just like to control everything in life, probably some that had been involved in some type of sexual immorality, some men that were passive husbands, some stubborn children, those that had wrestled with lying and were wrestling with lying, Dominant wives who tried to control their husbands and so on. To them, Peter says in chapter 1 and verse 13, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully in the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform with the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written... Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things, such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed, 
from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may by it grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Consistent with the pattern found elsewhere in the New Testament, Peter follows the opening statements of his letter, which he describes the nature of the new life that Peter's hearers had in in Christ and we have by an exhortation in the imperative form. The nature of the Lord's communication used by writers throughout the New Testament follow You are, or your being, with do, live accordingly. Obviously, your identification in the Lord, in Christ, our being is the foundation for living each day. You will find that the pattern in Scripture, that Paul, Peter, John, will present the foundation, the nature of the new life that is in Christ, who the believer is, who they are in their being, that is followed by a building that is due, live accordingly. Just some examples of that. In Romans 1 through 11, Paul emphasizes you are, your being. In Romans 12 through 16, Do, live accordingly. Galatians 1 through 4, here's who you are in Christ, your being. Galatians 5 and 6, live accordingly. Ephesians 1, 2 and 3, who you are in Christ, your being. Ephesians 4, 5 and 6, do, live accordingly. Philippians 1 and some in chapter 2, your being, who you are. And then, Philippians 2, 12 through 4, 9, live accordingly. Colossians 1 and 2, your being, who you are. Colossians 3 and 4, live accordingly. We'll take a few moments to share one of my deep concerns in Christianity, evangelical Christianity today. I hear it over and over again as I read magazines. I listen to people speak. It is that we present a keyboard, and a monitor. Do 
Live, do, live, do, live, add, do. But we miss the computer entirely of who you are in Christ. And after a while, we become discouraged because we try, we add, we read, we buy a, another DVD series or we go to another seminar. We think, I'm just not accomplishing much. And God says, you need the computer. You're being who you are in Christ. I get a fair number of magazines, and one of them I intentionally look through to contrast the do with the be. It was all do and no be. I'm not saying they're all that way, but that particular month of the magazine was. Peter opens his letter with a reminder of their identification in Christ, who they are in Christ, their being. And then he moves into the do. He moves into how to live and how to respond. We find that Paul does that. John does that. So he tells them to have, you know, a prepared mind. He tells them to be holy, as we read, as God is holy, to live in reverent fear. And he talks about the high price of redemption. And if you look in chapter 1, I think there's a mix-up here, Jer. Peter begins by reminding them of their being God's elect. Being strangers in the world. He says you have been chosen. He says, you've experienced the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. You've been called to obedience in Christ. You've experienced the sprinkling by Christ's blood. You're receiving grace and peace from God. You're experiencing, you have experienced new birth into a living hope. You've experienced new birth into an inheritance that won't perish, spoil, or fade away. You're shielded by God's power into the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed. You're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You're experiencing salvation predicted by the prophets. You're experiencing salvation that the angels desire to look into. Peter says... Here's your power source. Here's the computer. Here's what you have in Christ. And that's only 12 verses. And he presents 13 items that are present in Christ. Sometimes we run around like a dog, 
that has just run a race with their tongues hanging out. <sighs> like I huff and puff after I jog on a hot human morning. Because we're missing the power source. We're missing the computer. We're missing the being. We're missing all that we have in Christ. Peter shares these items, and then he says, prepare your minds for action. Be holy as God is holy. Live in reverent fear of God, your judge, and reflect in the high price of your redemption. It is in that context. He says, prepare your minds for action. He goes on later and shares more of our being. But we want to focus on what he says, therefore, in light of the items that he shared in verses 1 through 12, he says, prepare your minds for action. The word prepare is a Semitic idiom that describes the act of taking up a long robe and tucking it into a belt. I probably won't get anyone to volunteer to do this. And I would do it myself, but uh, it won't fit over my coat, I don't think, and if I take my coat off. Anyone want to volunteer? Abby, you're a runner. You want to volunteer? You don't have to. I'm just asking if you will. I want to illustrate what it means to prepare your minds for action. You stick your arm in there. Stick your other arm in there, and then... If you want to tie it. Now, suppose Abby's going to run cross-country or... No, you're not in cross-country. You're in cross-country. And she's going to have this robe on and even closed in the front. The idea is gird up the loins of your mind is to take the part of the robe, the bottom part of the robe, and tuck it into the belt. Because... The way it currently is, it's going to hinder her running. You can sit down and you can take that back with you. Thank you. <laughs> you may sit down, but you may take it with you and take it off back there. <laughs> That's not your gift. You want to take it off, go ahead. It's grandma's. <laughs> but the idea is to gird up the loins of your mind. Tuck, take that robe and tuck it in. Your mind... Prepared for action. It's an allusion to Exodus 12 and verse 11 where the Lord instructs Israel to prepare for the Exodus by eating their final meal in Egypt with their sandals on and their loins girded. Peter uses this same phrase because Jesus used it in his teaching about being ready for the master's return in Luke 12, 35 and 36. Paul uses it, if you're using King James, in Ephesians, where he says, gird up the loins of your mind as it relates to being prepared to put on the armor of God. Peter says, prepare, gird up the loins of your mind. Be prepared for action. The mind is the intellect, the understanding the comprehension, the mode of thinking, the intention. 
Now, it's what's between your two ears, so to speak. Your ability to think and reason and understand and so on. The intellectual life, to a large extent, determines conduct as we're yielded to the Spirit at work in us. He says, prepare your minds for action. Those who may have been thieves, prepare your mind for action. Those who were proud and haughty, able to handle their own life, prepare your mind for action. Those who may have come out of a background of idolatry or a gay lifestyle, prepare your minds for action. Those who were married and a wife who was dominating and a passive husband, prepare prepare your mind for action. He's talking, or as he talks to his hearers, he's telling them, in light of all that you have in Christ, prepare your mind, your thinking for action, for life, day by day. Now, in that context, I want to share some statements for 20th century living that I think are very applicable. Would be applicable, some of them would be applicable to Peter's hearers. Some of them would not be because we live in a different day and age. But guard what you take into your mind. Guard what you take into your mind. Psalm 1 talks about that. Philippians 4.8 talks about that. Proverbs 4.23 talks about guarding our heart. What Peter's hearers took into their mind, what we take into our minds is with us the rest of our life. We may not remember it all, but it influences us. We don't have to battle with what we never took into our minds. Prepare your minds for action. Secondly, renew your minds. Put off, put on, put off, put on. Peter's hearers, they're going through persecution. That is, persecution from neighbors or co-workers or maybe family members, because they're living for the Lord. God, why does this have to happen? Why me? And Peter's saying, prepare your minds, renew your mind. It's part of the sufferings of Christ. Rejoice in them. Prepare your mind. Put off. Put on. You may be a warrior, You think about what's coming, even before it's here. Prepare your mind, come back to the present, and enjoy the present. And when you get to tomorrow and it's really ugly, you enjoy that then, because God will give you grace at that time. Prepare your mind, renew your mind, put off, put on. Third, develop the habits of stopping to think what you think about. Prepared mind, thinking about what you think about. 
stop and think, what was I just thinking in the last half hour? Where were my thoughts? A prepared mind, reflecting on being God's elect, being chosen by God, being sanctified by the work of the Spirit, and how that applies to day-by-day living. A prepared mind, meditating upon the Lord, his names, his attributes, his works, meditating upon Christ, his character, his works, his wisdom, and meditating upon being in Christ, redemption, forgiveness, reconciliation, and so on. Peter has already presented a lot about Jesus Christ in verses 1 through 12. He's talked about what the believer has in Christ, what his hearers have in Christ. He's talked about God, God electing people, God being the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God being one who is great in mercy, a prepared mind reflecting in God his attributes, his works, reflecting in Christ his character, his work, his wisdom, reflecting on just who we are in Christ. Fifth, allow people to ask you anytime how you're thinking. I have a couple guys, one in particular, that occasionally give me a call. And just out of the blue, he'll say, Pastor, what are you thinking about? How are you doing in your thinking? I just feel like telling the guy to hang up. No, leave me alone. No, that goes through my mind. But I need that for someone to say, Dan, what are you thinking about? What's going through your mind right now? What have you been thinking about the last half hour? Prepared minds. Someone saying to one of Peter's hearers, you just lost your job because of your faith in Christ. How are you doing? What are you thinking about? And the guy says, I'm about to give up on Christ. This isn't right. This isn't fair. And the person says, be faithful. You're God's elect. You experience the sanctifying work of the Spirit. You've been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. God, in his great mercy, has given you a new birth. Into an inheritance that won't perish, spoil, or fade away. And the trial you're experiencing now, the loss of your job is going to demonstrate that your faith is genuine. Stick with it. Renew your mind. Have your mind prepared for action. Another possible application. Be still. And if you have young kids, it may not be possible. Be quiet. Be still. Be quiet. Turn off the radio. Hide the phone where it can't be heard. Turn off the TV. Be away from the computer and be still and quiet individually as a couple or as a family. As you look at scripture, stillness, quietness to meditate, to hear God is so critical in a prepared mind. So some lady is saying to her neighbor, who's also a believer, I'm really having a hard time with this Christian stuff. I've been saved for six months now, and I heard this issue that 
Peter wrote that I'm to be submissive to my husband. And it's without words for me that he's going to be brought to Christ. I don't like it. I'm struggling with this. It's not good. It seems to be going from bad to worse. And her friend says, why don't you take the next hour to be still and reflect on what Peter said, the fact that you're God's elect. You're chosen by God. You've experienced the sanctifying work of the Spirit. You've experienced God's mercy. You've had the new birth. You have an inheritance that won't perish, spoil, or fade away. You go out in the field and you meditate. I'll watch your kids for you. Just think about God. Think about what he has done. Prepared minds need calm, quiet at times. Life can be hectic. It can be terrible at times. But still, a time to be quiet. My next suggestion You want to shoot me for it? That's up to you. But daily, set time for technology, media, and entertainment to be turned off. Daily, set time for technology, media, and entertainment to be turned off. I've read a lot on technology and media and entertainment and, you know, just what technology and so very thankful for technology and what can be done via media and so on. I hear unbelievers, unbelievers saying, get away from media, technology, and entertainment on a regular basis. I hear that from unbelievers and I think, why are they saying that? And I occasionally have read some believers that will say that. Have a prepared mind. A prepared mind cannot always be in the go, cannot always be churning with input from the outside. So tied in with that, this wouldn't be applicable to Peter's hearers. Go to bed with technology, phone, and entertainment out of your room. You say, Why? Again, that suggestion has come from more unbelievers than believers. Because your mind is working when it's there. Sabbath. This is a suggestion. What you do with it is up to you. Sabbath, one day a week from technology, media, and entertainment. Just Sabbath from it. Step back and say, I'm not going to be involved in it today. We say, I can't get along without it. I'm not saying you can or can't. You go back to Genesis chapter 1. God rested on the seventh day. That became part of the Mosaic Law. Our minds are not designed to always be in the go in that way. They need rest. Another thought, 
Why do I desire what I desire? Where is my heart? Why do I desire what I desire? Just in what you feed your mind, in whatever way you may feed your mind. Where's my heart? A prepared mind. I would encourage you to remember what you feed your mind today is forming your heart, desires, attitudes, and motives. What you feed your mind today is forming your heart, desires, attitudes, and motives. Peter, a number of times, says to the people to whom he is writing, lay aside your former way of life, which included the mind. Prepare your mind for action. Let go of some things. Though your thought patterns that you had in the past, you need to let go of them. Because they formed your heart. They formed your desires. They formed your attitudes and motives long enough. Prepare your mind for action. A question If you can't be without technology, media, entertainment, are they your idol? I'm not answering that. I'll answer that for myself. That's hard enough for myself. You can't be without media, technology, entertainment, are they your idol? Just asking, you know, are minds prepared for action? Is my desire for God, Christ, Scripture, body life, corporate worship, and just being shepherded, increasing because of what I feed my mind in whatever way that may take place? A prepared mind. Our minds deeply, deeply important. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you. There's a man that I know quite well who in his life has chosen for years to say no to many items as far as what he feeds his mind. Whatever form that may come, he would say no to them because he thought it's not going to be profitable in my love for God. Maybe it's not an issue of sin or no sin. It's just not going to be profitable in my loving God. He takes time to be alone, to think, and to ponder, and to listen to God. He many times will turn off items just to think. He chooses to invest his life in others. And he's an older man that has a prepared mind because he's been practicing over the years. Peter is saying to his hearers who are not 40 or 50 years old in Christ, prepare your minds for action. There's a lady who attended church here who has since passed on and gone to be with the Lord. She lived in a hectic household. She would take time in God's word. She would tell Ruth Ann and I that at the time she just had to turn off the noise, you know, turn off the radio and you no, know, not have any noise. 
She had people call her to ask her how she was doing in her thinking and renewing her mind, having a prepared mind for action. She would quit, sit quiet when her husband was at work and her kids were at work. And I'm not talking hour after hour, but take some time just to sit and to be quiet. She asked a group of other ladies to pray with her on a regular basis. And she often thought about what she thought about. She died with a hectic household. She died with a lot of conflict and relationships. She died well. She went through the process of death, which involved years well, because she had a prepared mind. Remember, a prepared mind ties in with our being, the computer, all that we have in Christ, and guarding our mind ultimately for God's glory. Peter's hearers struggled. They faced difficulty. They were going through persecution. And Peter says, you need a prepared mind. I'm not trying to tell you how to live totally, but I want you to think about a prepared mind. Satisfied in Christ, our world is looking for people who are satisfied. They have prepared minds. Father, we thank you for all that we have in Christ. And I realize that we have discussed what we have in Christ. We have discussed a prepared mind, a mind that is prepared for action. And I know even as I prepare and as I speak and as I live, I need to apply what I've spoken on. As a body, we want to be a people that is understanding all that we have in Christ, our being. That we are your elect. That we have experienced the sanctifying work of the Spirit. We've been sprinkled by Christ's blood. In your mercy, you've given us a new birth into a living hope. As we reflect on them, Father, may we grasp that we have the resources to guard our mind, to prepare our minds for action. Work and individualize, Father, in families, lives, and us as a body as we seek to walk and live with prepared minds for your glory. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.